Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 28th of August 2016, entitled The Redemption of Our Sins. And the Bible reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 12. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Ephesians chapter 1, as we uh, begin reading there in verse, uh, verse 3, <coughs> I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word. Again, Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Father, we thank you this evening, Lord, for your word that we have before us preserved, for your spirit that lives within us that will give us understanding. And so, Lord, as we look at this passage of Scripture, Lord, so full, wonderful truths and wonderful promises. And Lord, as we look there this evening, I pray, Lord, that you would just give us that that would speak to hearts here this evening. You know the need of the hearts. You know whether they need to be challenged or encouraged or built up. But Lord, we just pray that you would do a work in each and every one of our lives for your glory, for your honor. We give you all the praise for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. If you were here this morning, I said to you then and say to you again, that I genuinely, after prayer, felt in my heart that God just, just wanted me to give you simple gospel proclamation today. And this morning, of course, as we looked in the book of Acts, we looked at when Paul and Silas headed out on their missionary journey. Uh, we looked at how that uh, they had it all planned out, but God had his direction for them, and he sent them over to Macedonia, to Philippi, and there we see these two ladies that got saved, and we see as a result that they get thrown in jail, they get put in the stocks, but of course, even there, they were praising God, they were rejoicing in the Lord, and of course, when the earthquake came and the jailer saw what had taken place and he was at the end, he was going to take his own life, and they said, wait, wait. And he comes in and he says, what must I do to be saved? We talked about that simple thought this morning of believe and be saved. God directed those two men, those two men that we know that God ended up using greatly in many ways, but there were all kinds of directions they could go, but he took them to the place that he wanted them so that this individual could come to know Christ. So we see, and I said this morning, because we looked at three main thoughts there, we looked at this message that Paul and Silas was taking that 
Yes, lives got saved. The town got upset. They got thrown in jail. The jailer gets saved. God did glorious things. But we looked at that three things in that message that they took and that it was the power of God was to release. The power of God released them from that physical bondage that they had been put in. And the power of God is the only thing that will release you from the burden of sin that you're born with, that you continue in, that makes you a sinner, and from the bondage of sin that you're held in by Satan himself. We also saw that the purpose of God is to redeem. And I said then that we were going to be looking at just that facet of it a bit more this evening. And thirdly, that the promise of God was to receive. If we would come calling out to him, believing on his son, that he would receive us. And of course, I want us to come back to that. And of course, we talked about the purpose of God being redemption and we looked at a number of things there, and of course, we, we see some great things in this passage before us this evening. Uh, first of all, we find that uh, uh, he tells us there beginning in verse 4 that God chose us before the foundation of this world was even laid. Now, if you can ever really get your mind and your head around that, I'd appreciate it if you'd let me in on it because that's a tough one. Before anything was... God already put a plan in place because his purpose was for your redemption, that you would be redeemed from those sins. And, of course, we saw this morning that, first of all, we're released from those sins. But even if you come to a point in your life where you promise to never, ever sin again and you never commit another sin, something's got to be done about those sins that have already been committed. And if you say you haven't sinned, then you deceive yourself and the truth isn't in you. We're all sinners. And we looked at that fact, and, of course, as we think upon that this evening, that we want to reiterate this point that God knew and God had a plan in place. And that was to send his son to die on the cross to redeem you from your sins. Now, again, if you look back into the book of Romans, once again, in Romans chapter chapter one, uh, we, we, we glanced there the, this morning, but I want to just remind you what it says there in verses 19 and 20 of that chapter, which says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And we looked at that passage on Wednesday evening. We talked about how that invisible things can be seen. And we find that as we look there again this evening, that we find man in a hopeless state. Man cannot help himself. Man has no excuse for his sins. He has no excuse for not knowing God. Now, we know that the power of the gospel is that which will save, and he knows that, that the gospel comes from the Word of God and those that proclaim that gospel forth, but man has no excuse to stand before God and say, I didn't know that you were there. I didn't know to even seek for you. I didn't know to look for you. Whether he fully understands, and most of the time most of us don't, when we first begin to recognize and realize who we are as sinners and we recognize that, that we're accountable to that holy God, uh, we find that so many times that even before that we begin to properly understand it all, we begin to realize that there is that within us that separates us from our Creator, separates us from God. And, and if you'll recall back again this morning, I don't have time to go back and preach that sermon again, but I said, you know, there's only life and death. God created life. He never created death. God created life, and he meant for life to be forever. 
Now, death is not something that was created. Death is the non-existence of life. It's there. It's just like dark. You know, you don't make dark. You can only take away light, and darkness is what you're left with. The only place that life exists is with God. That's the only place. Yes, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. People look around. They want to blame God for all these things. It's not God's fault. It's the lack of God. The, de- the hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. It's where death will reside forever. The real question this evening is God has planned purpose before the world began. It says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. God wants you this evening to be redeemed from your sin. Yes, he wants you to quit sinning. He wants you to repent and turn around and turn away from that sin and start following Jesus Christ and quit following this world. But God wants you to be redeemed of those sins. Remember that, that redemption, that purchasing back, that which, which, which is reclaiming the ownership of something that has been taken away. Why? Sin. Sin separates you. Why is the wages of sin death? Sin separates you from God. God is life. When you're separated from God, there can be no life outside of God. Your sin is the culprit that takes you away from that. We look here this evening. I want us to just look at this, this one verse, really, and just a couple of things to pick out from it. Speaking of Jesus Christ, he says in verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We can't even begin to understand the depths of what is found in that, in that one verse, but it describes the blessedness that is there that is available for those that have not only turned from their sin, but they have been cleansed from that sin. They have been forgiven for the very sins that they had in their lives. There's nothing else in all the world that can quite bring that peace into your heart. People search for it in all kinds of places, but only the believer really knows what that peace is for his life to be returned to the Father, to once again have a relationship with God because not because you became perfect, but because Jesus Christ has taken that sin out of the way. Just three quick things about this verse this evening. To remind you, if you're here this evening and you're a child of God, I want to remind you of just how big God's love is and how much his, his grace is all that you have to be thankful for and knowing that you've been redeemed, that your redemption is in Jesus Christ, and it's in him alone. And I want you to know if you're here, I don't care how religious you are. I don't care how many times you've been dunked. I don't care how many churches you belong to. I don't care how many how many times that you have served this thing and done that thing and all this. I want you to know that you have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We sang the, the words a while ago, but do we mean them? Do we know that in our heart that we have truly been redeemed? We were born in iniquity. We were shaping in it. We follow it. We want to come to that point in our lives when, yes, we turn from it. We turn back to the one that can give you life and give you life forever. You see, the first words in this verse says, in whom we have redemption. People can try to get redemption in all kinds of ways, and sometimes even when people have done something wrong, it's like they, they feel so much inner guilt they're genuinely sorry. They know that what they did was terrible and wrong. The hard thing for us is to begin to grasp and understand 
how horrible that one sin is to a holy God. When all of our righteousness is like a bunch of filthy rags, it's absolutely nothing. And yet, how that that one sin can separate us from God because sin cannot reside in the same place as God because death and and life cannot live together in the same place. It's one or the other. Death is the lack of life. When life is there, death cannot exist. The question is not a question of what you need, but it's in whom you need. You see, the place of redemption, you can feel as sorry as you want to. You can try to do all the things that you want to to redeem yourself, but in whom we have redemption. There's only one place, and one place alone. We said this morning, it's not narrow-minded, it's the truth. And there's absolutely no value in giving somebody a lie and telling them that they can find something somewhere that they, they can't. The only place of redemption is in a person, and that person is the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption in Jesus Christ. You see, redemption is releasing that that payment of ransom it's man is, is is a slave as we saw this morning he's in he's in bondage to sin and of course to satan and we looked at a number of those verses but in christ the one thing that the power of god and the power of gospel does is release us from the bondage that we're in but god when he releases us he wants to pay the ransom He wants to bring you back into his family. The sin that separated you, yes, when you turn from it, but something's got to be done with it. Jesus Christ paid that ransom. We find that if you look back into your Bibles, into the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John chapter 8, notice what it says there in verse 34. It says, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, the slave of sin. The only way to be released from slavery was to be bought out. It was a very common thing in those days. The slave in this case is in most is bankrupt. He has no money. He's poor. He's having to just work and get the the essentials that he has just to get by and he has absolutely no way to buy himself out. And, of course, a kinsman could come if he had that which was necessary to buy that slave back, to buy his freedom for him. And, of course, we have a kinsman. That's what we're reading here, that God planned before the foundation of the world. He planned a way for you to be bought out of that slavery that is there holding you in bonds to Satan and to sin. In Romans chapter 6, notice what he says beginning in verse 14. He says, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. I mean, it's like How could you even dare think such a thought? You can just go out and live and sin and do what you want because that we're not under the law anymore. God forbid, know ye not, that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey. His servants ye are to whom ye obey, 
whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. It's going to show pretty quick. Who are you yielding yourself to? Who are you obeying? He says that it's going to show who you really belong to. Are you servants that are going to obey the Lord Jesus Christ and God or that which is going to follow after sin unto death? He said, but God be thanked that ye, notice that next word in your Bible. Words are important. Were. He's talking to Christians here. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. You were enslaved. You were in bondage to sin. You did have to serve sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin. Ye become the servants of righteousness. You're a slave over here. You're a servant to sin. You're in that bondage. But when you're set free, you're no longer you're no longer servant to sin, but you're servant to righteousness. There's a new master in your life. There's somebody else that you're going to obey. And again, man, you know, how many times does this thinking get all mixed around with people because it's what they do and what they don't do and how good they are and how good they're not and all these things that make their relationship with God what it ought to be. We need to get it in our thick heads. It's not what we do. It's what Jesus Christ has already done. God predetermined your salvation and he did it through Jesus Christ. And yes, the power of the gospel will release you from that bondage. You're in bondage to sin. You're a slave to sin, but it'll set you free. And it's the only thing that will set you free. Jesus Christ is the only place that you can go for redemption. The world wants you to pay penance. <laughs> the world wants you to pay for your deeds in this way and that. You do enough good things. You do enough of this. You follow enough religious ceremony and you'll be okay. Folks, the place of redemption is with Jesus Christ. That's where they're set free. We were, as Christians, we were all in bondage to sin. But we have been set free, thank God. Being then made free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. He said, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity and to iniquity, even so now. Yield your members, servants, to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from the righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ your Lord. The way you live your life, whether it's godly or ungodly, that's not what will get you to heaven or not get you to heaven. It'll show who you belong to. It'll show who you're serving. It'll prove to the world who's really in control of your life. I know it makes no sense. Makes no sense to the world whatsoever that you actually wanted to come to church this evening. 
that you actually want to live for God, that you don't want any part of that sin that once had such a place in your life. They don't understand. Somehow it's like you got this whole checklist that you've got to do this and you've not to do that and you've got to do this and you're not to do that and you'll be okay one day. No, they don't grasp and understand. Once you used to yield yourself to sin, to the flesh, because that was your master. You were a servant to it. You were slave to it. You were in bondage to it. But Jesus Christ has set you free. You're no longer. That doesn't mean you can't sin. <laughs> but I promise you this, standing before the Lord and saying, the devil made me do it, is not going to get it. <laughs> it's not going to cut it. <laughs> we choose whether we will or whether we won't. Yes, the temptations can be strong, and the Bible's full of ways to get around it. You see, we're not preaching that you've got to live a certain life in order to be a Christian. I'm saying this, that people can tell who you're serving. They can tell who you're serving because your actions are going to prove who it is that you're in bondage to. We find that the Bible is very clear here. You see, if you're a child of God, you've been released, you've been set free, the place of redemption is Jesus Christ. There is nowhere else to go. There's not enough churches. There's not enough baptistries. There's not enough denominations. There's not enough anything except to go to Jesus Christ, the place of redemption, in whom we have redemption. What are those next words? Through his blood. The place of redemption, the only place that you can get redemption is at Jesus Christ. The price of redemption is the very blood of Jesus Christ that we were singing about earlier. If you look back in your Bibles to what Peter wrote under inspiration in 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, notice what it says there. Verse 18 and 19, it says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, all those religious traditions that are passed down, all the glorious things that you might be able to muster up to show what a good person you are. He says, none of that's what bought you back. None of that's what paid your redemption. It was the blood of Jesus Christ that was the ransom that set you free. The place of redemption is Jesus Christ, but the price of redemption is his blood. That's what's so hard. You know, we want to do something for it. We want to pay something for it. It's a whole lot easier if we had to, to climb 14 mountains and go through 16 valleys and swim the swamps and fight the alligators and everything else and come out on the other side a glorious Christian. No. Jesus has done it all. To be redeemed from your sin, the only place you can go to be set free is Jesus Christ. The only place that ransom can be paid is Jesus Christ paying it with his own blood. He's speaking to those that have been redeemed, and he's making it very, very clear that <laughs> no redemption for you can't be bought at any price. You can take everything, all that you've got, everything that you've got, everything that you've done, everything that you can do, and it won't be enough. 
how can that be? And yet, I just have to trust him. I have to throw myself on God's mercy. I have to ask for forgiveness based solely upon his grace, that he's already done it, that he's already accomplished it. I've got to believe and know in my heart Jesus Christ is all you need. He is sufficient. He's everything. The only place you can be redeemed is at Jesus Christ, and the only price that will redeem you is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. There is nothing else. That's not hard to understand. That's not theological depth. That's the simple truth of God's word that he wants for you. The price of redemption through his blood. Notice what he says next there. (laughs) What is all this for? In whom we have redemption through his blood, the what? The forgiveness of sins. (laughs) When we have accepted that atoning sacrifice for our redemption, that God planned, that God performed, that God did, when we have been set free from being servants, from being slaves to sin and the flesh and all that's there, when our ransom has been paid by Jesus Christ himself, he says that your sins are forgiven. You know, again, we only have our human minds. And I know some people are better than others. But we have this simple thing called a brain to think with. And that's hard for us because we know people that have done things and they ask for forgiveness and we say that we forgive them, but man, we remember that thing to the day they die. <laughs> we remember how they messed up. Maybe it wasn't even against me. <laughs> they stumbled. They fell. I said to you this morning, you best never forget as a, as, as a Christian. You can do anything that a lost person can do You can't keep on doing it. You can't keep living there if you're a child of God, but you listen to your flesh instead of the spirit that dwells within. You you yield yourself to these fleshly members. You haven't even begun to realize how evil that your flesh is. Your flesh hasn't been redeemed. You've been redeemed. You that lives within that flesh, Jesus Christ, with his precious blood, you see, once the ransom was paid, <laughs> your sins were forgiven. They're, they're not there anymore. We'll never fully get our heads because we don't know how to do that because we're still in these old fleshly bodies. And we say we forgive people, and sometimes we do a better job, and sometimes we don't do such a good job. But, man, it's tough for us to really forgive to the point that it's forgotten and will never be remembered again. And yet... The Bible says that's what God does. They're they're cast into a sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered again. They're removed from us as far as the east is from the west. God's trying to get us to grasp and understand something that doesn't come natural to us. The privilege, if it is sin, if it is one sin that separates us from life, and we have death instead. If that sin that separates us from God, whatever it is, if it separates us from God and if it's never dealt with, 
then we can never, ever, ever, we can never have life because we can never be with God. We're separated from Him. Therefore, with the lack of life, we only have death. There is no being partially alive or being partially dead. You're one of the other, friends. There is no in-between. You can be on your way from one to the other, but you're one of the other. We find that the great privilege here is the only way that you can be, become part of the family of God again is for your sin to be taken care of, for it to be taken out of the way. Just the simple truth. There's only one place. See, as long as your sin is there and as long as you're held accountable for it, then you're separated from God. As long as God sees you in your Adamic flesh, you're separated from God. It's the sin problem that's got to be dealt with. Now, when Jesus came, his power was to set you free, to set you free from the bondage of that sin. But the price that he paid, to pay the ransom for your sin, so that even if you never commit another sin, those past sins, if they're still there, they separate you from God. He doesn't want you to be separated from God. He wants you to be one with God. The sin's got to be done away with. Jesus Christ came and he redeemed you from those sins. He paid the price of those sins so that you could enjoy the privilege, the privilege of being one with God once again. We have redemption through his blood. The blood that was paid as a ransom for your sins. And here that forgiveness literally means Almost the same thing we're looking at this morning. It means a total release from those sins, a total release from that bondage, a total release from that imprisonment. They have nothing, they have no hold over you ever, ever again. He's letting us know that because of Jesus Christ, we have been set free. We have been privileged to be able to once again be one with God, to be a part of his family. We all owe a debt, don't we? God's records are never wrong. They can't be wrong. He can't just sweep something under the carpet and pretend that you didn't have that thought or that you didn't do that thing. When we stand before God, the accounts will be clear. There's no shady deals. There's not some things we talked about truth in the Bible study this morning. There's nothing going to be fabricated out of nothing. There's nothing that is going to be deceptively said to lead you in a way to believe something that's not, not really out and out line. It's just not the whole truth. <laughs> we find that, no, with God there's only truth. And we will stand and the record will be right. It will be absolutely correct. But what he's saying here is that because of this redemption in Jesus Christ, <laughs> your account that which is due for every sin you've ever committed, every thought, every action, everything and anything. Why are we all sinners? Because when we compare it to God, our righteousness are as filthy rags. All has sinned and come short of the glory of God, not the glory of man. We all miss the mark. The accounts are due for the sin. It's wiped clean. The forgiveness of sin. It's wiped away. It's done away with. 
You don't owe anything for it because it doesn't even exist anymore. Your debt has been paid in full. We sing that great old hymn, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. It doesn't mean that you haven't sinned, but it means the debt has been played. They're cleared. They're not there anymore. You know, I had, I had a problem one time after that I had spent so many years in this country and I went back to the States and I was going to do a simple thing like buying another car because I needed to travel thousands of miles. And, and, and I went back to buy this car and I went in. I never even dreamed about having a problem. And I went in and I picked out the car and they started doing all the finance work and they called me up and said, you don't exist. <laughs> we can't finance this for you. Why? Because there's no record. <laughs> there's no record that you've ever owed anybody or paid anybody anything. It's just nothing there. So I started calling up the bank, and I called up the bank that financed my last car for me. They said, oh, that's been over seven years. It's archived now. It doesn't exist anymore. We can't even go to that stuff anymore. So I'd owed a lot of people a lot of money, and I'd tried to pay those things back. But what I'm saying is suddenly when you looked at my record, there was nothing there. The only hope I had was to call up a banker that knew me that loaned me money before and said, hey, I got no record anymore, but you know me. Can you finance this car for me? There was nothing. I want you to realize that's what this forgiveness of sins is all about. Your account is clear. There is nothing owing. As a matter of fact, it's so clear that it's not just been archived like mine. It's been totally done away with. It's as if you never, ever owed anything in your life. It's not because you haven't sinned. It's because that you've been redeemed. It's all been paid for. There's nothing left owing. John wrote in 1 John chapter 2, a very familiar passage in 1 John chapter 2, he says there in verse 1, My little children, these things write, write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Interesting. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus, personally, is your advocate. And he is, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I know that it may be hard to understand, but you need to grasp, and this makes even a Baptist want to shout, praise God, when Jesus Christ shed his blood on Calvary's cross, it paid, it was sufficient to pay the ransom for every sin that had ever been committed and every sin that would ever be committed. It was a propitiation. It met all the legal requirements of God and not for ours only, just for us, the Christian, but for the sins of the whole world. The ransom price was sufficient. There can't be a sin ever committed that the blood of Jesus Christ isn't sufficient to pay for it. It'll meet every requirement that God has because that was the price that was required. The object of our forgiveness, and notice the word sins, plural there, all the sins that are just the natural fruit of the natural man. <laughs> You're not any different from anybody else. We're all sinners. We're all in the same boat. You can remove the apples from a tree, 
but that doesn't make it quit being an apple tree. It can quit bearing the fruit. You may take them all off now. More will grow back in its place. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying you can't change what you are. There's only one way. You've got to be made new. You can't change. You can't change enough to start growing a different fruit. You need to be made new. Jesus is the one that has made that possible, and I give you this in closing. He says, according to the riches of his grace. According to the riches of his grace. Notice what he's saying. In whom? Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, according to the wealth, according to the abundance, according to the treasure. It's rich enough. God's grace is sufficient. We sing about it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a rich like me. We talk about it. We put it in our statement of faith. We declare it. We do it. But the truth is, we never fully grasp just how grand and great, how rich that God's grace really is. That he's willing. He's willing to forgive the lowest of sinners. He'll forgive you. If you just ask. One final verse that we find in Romans chapter 5 and verse 20, a familiar passage, one that I'm sure that you've heard many times before. Romans chapter 5, verse 20 says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, <laughs> grace did much more abound. Thank God, folks. Thank God that we live under grace. <laughs> Thank God that that doesn't mean that we take advantage as we read earlier and all of those things. We don't do those things to be saved. We're saved by grace. We live under grace. The joy of knowing that your ransom's been paid. Knowing. Oh, yes. The old devil's going to come and he's going to try to convince you he's still got some control in your life. He's going to try to convince you that you can't not do that, that you can't do do this. But the truth is, he's just a bully. Just like the bully on the schoolyard or anywhere else, he's just a bully. He's just trying to get you to believe what's not the truth. Remember, he's a liar and he's the father of it. <laughs> we find that you've been released being his servant. You've been released from the bondage that he had over you. You've been set free from sin, from Satan, from death itself. The joy of knowing that you've been added into the family of God because it was sin that kept you out. It was sin that separated, but your debt has been forgiven. Jesus did pay it all. The riches of his grace. <laughs> you don't get any richer than that. So I want to remind you this evening, as far as I know, you're all Christians. You're all saved. You're all on your way to glory. 
Boy, I sure hope that's true. If you are, I want you to rejoice with me this evening in remembering it's all because of him. God planned it before the foundation of this world. The only place of redemption is in his son, Jesus Christ. The price that was paid was him shedding his blood to pay for, to redeem you of your sins. The ransom was sufficient. But the problem is too many people are still hanging on and holding on to the old life. They may have tried to make the changes and they try to do better and they try to do this and they try to do that. But they need to be made new. They need to humble themselves before that holy God. Maybe you're here this evening. You've never truly done that. I don't care who you are, young or old. Jesus is there for you. God planned this for you. You can be redeemed this evening by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, but nobody else can go there in your place. Jesus went to the cross in your place to die for you. Now you've got to make your way to the foot of the cross. You've got to go to Jesus. Nobody else can do that for you, but it's sufficient if you will. Christians, we need to remember just what God has done for us, the glorious privilege. How can I ever fully grasp being part of God's family? How can I fully grasp him even wanting me to be part of his family? I don't understand it. If I ever figure it out, I'll let you in on the secret. But I'm glad that I know it because I believe it. That's what I'm asking of you this evening. Pause of the riches of his grace. You can know him. You can know it for eternity. When Satan comes to you, child of God, and he tries to convince you that he's still got some kind of a hold on you, you just tell him he's a liar to get out of here. He has no hold on you. You've been set free from him, from that bondage that was there. Your ransom was paid by Jesus Christ himself. Father, I thank you this evening. Lord, that we can have that confidence in knowing. Knowing without a shadow of a doubt. Lord, that we belong to you. Lord, I don't know why that, as I said this morning, this day, that, Lord, I just really, really felt totally impressed that, oh, you just wanted to remind us today of the glorious salvation, the glorious redemption that we have by your grace through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you'll help us this evening to be encouraged, to rejoice in that, to know what a privileged people that we are, because it's not in what we have done, what we are doing, or what we can do. It's what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so, Father, I pray if there's anyone here this evening, Lord, help them not to be deceived. We know that our hearts can be deceitful above all things. Help them not to be deceived. Help them to know the reality of their relationship with you. Because any sin, any sin will separate them from you. And when they're separated from you, there is no life. There's only death. That's the only thing that can exist without the presence of life. So, Lord, I pray this evening, please work in their hearts. Please show them their need. Please give them, Lord, the faith and the humility that they need to be able to humble themselves and call upon you and to seek that forgiveness that can only come by putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work. For every believer here this evening, give them strength to stand, Lord. Give them strength to stand against the devil. 
Give them strength, Lord, as we talked about this morning, to be committed to you, to your work, to what you want to accomplish in their lives because, Lord, you've got a place for each and every one of them. And somewhere along the way, it's that being in the right place that you will use them for your glory that someone else can come to know Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we can have this confidence this evening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.